Welcome to One Thought at a Time with Ian Travers, where we get curious about what makes us tick. We're here today with a man who has bridged the gap between sport and art. Welcome, Sam Callahan. Hi. <laughs> Great to actually be talking um, in a room rather than a motor circuit or across Zoom. Yeah, those <laughs> those days, were, like I said, when, when I got in here, those days can be so hectic. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to catch up and, and talk about stuff when we're away from like the noises of cars and, you know, um, talk guns and, and whatever else. Going, <laughs> digga, 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 digga. So it's nice to actually chat without the interference. So um, the format then, we're going to have the conversation and I'd like to start right up front with, so tell us, Sam, what are, what are you doing now? Uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I race cars, mm. as you know. Yeah. Um, I am also a singer-songwriter and musician, live, live music artist. Um, I've had uh, lots of tracks in the, the pop charts and bits and bobs like that, um, performed kind of globally all over, all over the world. Um, and I'm also a personal trainer, which um, kind of started from me just having a keen interest in fitness mm. um, and then developed from there. So so um, lots. Yeah, lots, <laughs> lots. And, and at Christmas I do panto. So um, that's a good laugh at the end of the year, good yeah. Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, and, and in answer to the question, I know you're thinking, but you're not going to ask. I don't wear tights and I don't wear makeup on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what would be interesting is to retrace the steps as to how you got to do what you do now. Okay, so, so firstly, um, I really struggled at school. Okay. And I think that is, I have ADHD and dyslexia, um, which is a wonderful cocktail. Because um, it means that like learning um, pretty much anything that I'm not really, really, really interested in um, is very difficult. It's hard to concentrate on. Uh, my mind wanders off and is like, oh, shiny um, <laughs> all the time. Um, and then obviously uh, dyslexia is difficult with, with spelling and numbers and, and bits and bobs. So uh, that was always difficult. And I think at school that meant that I had a real lack of confidence generally um, and that sort of uh, bled into um you know socially as well as uh in the classroom and stuff um my teachers and my parents obviously on parents evenings and stuff spoke about this and and um were kind of i suppose worried about it at, at the time um and my parents noticed that i i did uh, like to be center of attention a lot um so they sent me on a saturday morning to um a thing called Stagecoach, which was a, a theatre school, yeah. like part-time theatre school on Saturday mornings. Um, I had two left feet, couldn't dance, um, couldn't sing. I was just shouting a lot. Um, I, I was all right at the drama side, but that's just because I was dramatic. Um, but I loved it. I loved being centre of attention. I loved showing off. I loved, you know, getting involved and getting stuck in. Um, and I did, we did lots of like amateur shows with them. And it kind of brought me out of myself as a child. So... Um, I got better at the dancing, got better at the singing and, and carried on with the drama. And, and basically that's from the age of about eight. Okay. That's all I knew. I was, I was into the, the performing arts in school. I'd always like love to go and do the, the drama, you know, uh, classes. And, uh, whenever there was a show coming up, whether it was Christmas or whatever, I was like, you know, right up front trying to, trying to be the biggest part or whatever. So, yeah. so whatever um, it is, I know where I want to be. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The front. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> At the same time, in the background, um, 
since well before I was born. My dad was uh, was racing cars. He he crashed his mate's go kart as a kid, um, and had to buy it off him, rebuilt it, started karting, um, and then from there raced cars. Um, like I say, before I was born, again at about age eight, he he bought me uh, and my brother a, a cadet cart. Um, right. And we went and did a bit of karting, just sort of track days and, you know, just yeah. going around. And yeah. and then I, I think the year after I started motocross, um, I, okay. I was, I loved my, my bike, like my push bike as a child and said, I, you know, I want to do racing, but I want to race bikes. Um, that didn't last long. I did that for a couple of years, had a lot of accidents and mum and dad were like, should we put you back on four wheels? <laughs> um, so yeah and then so then but i think so i raced carts after that for a little while uh until i got to a point where i i sold the car i didn't have enough time i was going to school in london mm. in my secondary school because um i got beaten up a lot for being the, the showy off one uh in right. my first year at secondary school yeah moved secondary schools uh to a theater school in london and then essentially i mean we could go, I, I know that we want to talk about um you know, music a little bit more in a bit, but, um, you know, when I, I came out of school and, and, and had my own career for a little while and, uh, it was, it was literally, um, you know, over four years ago now that he, he was like, right, I'm, uh, he was always looking on classifieds for racing cars. Right. Um, it was just something that my dad did all the time. And one day he was like, I'm actually going to buy one. I'm going to, I'm going to go racing again. And I was old enough and stupid enough to be like, well, not without me, like, really <laughs> I'm coming with you. Yeah. So that's how that began. Excellent. So, yeah, so there's lots I want to pick up on. So let's just let's just focus back in on the, the music line story for now. Okay. We'll come back again to the motorsport later on. But back back to the music. So what what happened? How did what happened from next? So so when I was in secondary school, um, I I got a part in uh, the sound of music in the West End. Um, at, I think I was eleven or twelve, um, so I did that for a year. Um, obviously, back at school, we were learning a lot about theatre and things like that. Um, and I did a couple of, I think, TV commercials. I was in Casualty on uh, yeah on TV. Um, but for me, the music kind of it, it was more music than drama or dancing because I was like. Uh, doing these competitions at the same time. And they were just to to better my performing. They were a bit more commercial music. I could pick a song that I wanted to do rather than just, um, you know, do, doing what I'm told in a job. Do you know yes. what I mean? So yeah. I got to express my, my passion for the music a little bit more. Some of those were songwriting competitions. Some of them were just, I suppose, like much, much smaller versions of the X Factor and yeah. competitions like that. Um, and that, developed my love for commercial music and writing my own music right. so that started to happen at school and by the age of like 15 i was like no i'm gonna be a commercial commercial music artist a pop artist right um which meant that i kind of rebelled in these theater classes where they wanted you to like sing and and like i don't know like like connect with the audience and be all dramatic and i, I sort of wanted to be the whole boy band thing just <laughs> <laughs> and i was like and then they'd tell me off for it and i'd be like yeah but i don't want to do that <laughs> um so that was that came out of school i got uh i did an audition and got signed to a mixed gender uh pop band hmm. um that was uh managed by jerry halliwell spice girl Ginger yeah. spice yeah and simon fuller um who runs or ran 19 management which is now xis uh, xix entertainment um but they managed the spice girls the beckhams all these people so um i did that and it was uh it was great 
it was very chaotic. Um, <laughs> and I, I got to the point in the end where I, I left and wanted to become a solo artist. Um, I think that was kind of what I wanted the whole time. <laughs> so there's a couple of things here. Go on. Which, <clears throat> so this thing where you were kind of being maybe just slightly pushed down one particular performing way and you said, oh, I want to do it this way. Yes. And then, you know, you're in the band and then you think, yeah, but I want to do it this yep. way. Is, is this a theme here? Yes. So I had a real uh, affinity as a, as a teen growing up um, for Robbie Williams. Right. Um, which is a straight in this day and at this time, like, you know, with my music tastes now and, and, and stuff is, is slightly strange because I never loved him because he was the best singer. I never loved him because his music was great. I loved him because he was an incredible performer. Mm. Um, and I still I still stand by that. But I think uh, as a as a kid, he left to take that and uh, became this incredible solo artist. And, and um, I used to watch Robbie Williams at Nebworth over and over again, the concert. Um, and I think in my head, like I wanted a route into the music industry. So I did all these different jobs and I, I got into the, the pop band and bits and bobs, but I always wanted to be solo. Um, and I suppose follow that kind of route. Um, the music was going to be different. My music was is very different to, to what Robbie's ever was, but I, I wanted to try and follow that route. Yeah. So that was that was what, how that was driven. Yeah. And then, of course, you, you did go into X Factor. Yes. Well, I had a... So there was a year between... I, when I came out of the band, um, I left. Um, and it was very difficult. It's, uh, we were like 16 years old when we, when we went into the band. Um, Jerry stood there and told our families how like we'd made it, that was it, like our lives were gonna change, their lives were gonna change, we're gonna have houses in Malibu and you know, posh cars and whatever else. Um, none of that ever happened. We um, we recorded a billion different songs with a billion different producers. We had uh, you know a billion different names for the the um, for the band, all of which were crap um, <laughs> and. I sensed even at the young age that I was that this wasn't really going anywhere. Yeah. Um, I think the only live performance we ever got to do was to Bluebell, Jerry's daughter, at her birthday party right. um, and some of their friends and family. Um, and I just felt like we could be doing so much more. Yeah. Um, so I, I was like, you know what, Like, I'm going to leave. So I left and that was very scary. I drove up to Jerry's house and spoke to her and I spoke to the rest of the band. Um, then I spoke to Simon and, and that was it. And I went solo, literally um, funding my my career on a bar job salary. I literally worked in a bar and then drove up and down the country in my old banger um, doing free gigs just to try and build a, a social media following, Yeah. Um, which I did at the time. The problem was I was traveling so much that I was never at the bar. So <laughs> I, just, I quickly ran out of money. Um, I did some school tours. Um, so you go and perform at different schools. Usually, kind of uh, that those tours are backed with uh, some meaningful uh, thing that you got to push. So mine, uh, I did a lot about bullying um, and spoke about bullying, and then at the end performed and said, "I'm a singer. This is what I do now." And do you think there was were you able to draw on some of the experience you'd had at school there? Yeah, oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that was that was all it was. I was, I thought I can do this because I've been in that situation, and I was talking to a lot of kids that were not much younger than myself you know it, at the time it was probably only four years ago or two years ago i was at school going through some some of the stuff that they were probably going through at the time sitting yeah. there watching me and, yeah. and listening to me so um 
I was able to talk about that quite confidently and 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 knowledgeably, if that's a word. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, and but even that, I I was building a following and I was doing well. I think I had twenty thousand followers on Twitter or something, mm. which is great. Um, but I, I I ran out of money to be doing what I was doing, and I I felt I needed a a leg up. So, the audition for for X Factor came up then. Yeah, and I mean. You know, I've only ever seen obviously what comes through the screen, but it, it looks like an, you know, the the odds are stacked against you, aren't they? I mean, there's there's a lot of people audition. Yeah, we my year we had three hundred and fifty thousand people audition. Wow! And how did you find that that whole experience? Hard it is is the truth. So, I my focus and my view and my my aim, I suppose, was. Um, I was doing all these things at the time to get myself seen mm. um, as a music artist. And I thought, if I get to boot camp, I'll be on telly. So everyone who goes to boot camp, you get on telly. Yeah. Um, it will just shoot my, my social stats up a little bit and people would know about me and then I can increase and capitalize on that audience. Yeah. Um, I never thought I would get any further than that. Uh, again, I think the reason I, I related to Robbie is because, I mean, much more nowadays, my voice has come on. But I knew, as a child, being surrounded by other performers at school and uh, stuff like that, my my vocals were, were, were decent, they were good, but they were never the strongest um, yeah. amongst my peers and stuff. So I was like, I can perform the socks off or something, but a, a vocal, vocal ability, um, I don't know, I felt like, again, the, the odds were stacked against me compared to some of the other singers that were auditioning for The X Factor. So I went on there, never expected to get any further than boot camp, and then I did. Interesting. And uh, you know, it went on and on, and every time I got to a next stage, I was like, "Well, I want to go further." You know, I just just keep going, just keep going. So I got I got asked to to audition for the X Factor. Yeah, I got asked a few times. Um, the s same way I got asked for Britain's Got Talent to to, to yeah. audition for that as well. Um, and they do that; they have these scouts that ask people to audition. It doesn't necessarily mean you get like a leg up or anything, although I have heard that some people do. Um, but I had to do all of the auditions. Yeah. Um. And there's like three rounds of auditions before you get to the judges that you see on TV. Yep. Um, my first TV audition, Gary Barlow uh, took a disliking to me, um, which was fine. But uh, that stayed throughout the whole show. And I believe that The X Factor is very pantomime. It's everybody's got a part to play. Mm. Um, he kind of uh, verbally in his judge's comments after every performance kind of his job was to just verbally beat me up you know and he he took a dislike into everything I did and then one day I remember when I was on the live shows I did a performance that I watch back now and I was like I, I knocked that one out of the park that was yeah. that was a good one yeah. and I don't think I put a foot wrong um and he so they all have a sheet of paper they all have bits and bobs and and people say they're taking notes but other people say it's a bit of a script so he, he he had this sheet of paper in front of him and, and uh, like they all do and he turned the sheet of paper over and he looked at me and he went, you look like you had a good time up there. And that was it. Um, and everybody on social social media blew up. They were like, what's that supposed to mean? Like, that's not a, you know, a critique. That's not a judge's comment. If I'm honest, like everybody said to me, I'm like, that was so harsh that he, he just didn't really say anything other than that. I was like... To be honest, I was quite grateful for the break of abuse. <laughs> like I didn't get yeah. that was crap. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, but yeah, so so that was that. The weird thing was he was different backstage. We were, it was nice, nice as pie. Um, I mean, 
goodness there's there's amazing things about the x factor my experience of it essentially is that some of it was the best thing i've ever done some of it was literally hell on earth and there was a lot of tears there was times where i refused to see my family because i was dealing with things uh internally and dealing with them okay uh, and i knew if i saw them i'd crumble and i'd be i'd feel weak yeah um and it continued on to the x factor tour um i don't know which bits to talk about first there was some a lot of uh mental abuse mm. that goes on um being and what, manipulation put under pressure or uh so my you know you get the save me song which is the song that you sing before you go out against it's like a, a battle against mm. one of your peers um I got told the whole time, there was another kid uh, who, who got given his guitar and he was the guitar player, the musician. Um, and I was supposed to be, I think, like their Ken doll that year. Um, but I, I've been playing guitar since I was like 12, you know? So I was like, oh, I play guitar in all my gigs. This is what I do. I'm a musician. I'm here to showcase myself. I want to play guitar on stage like he does. And they wouldn't allow me to do it. I had a six hour argument with the music team um, and they still said no. And then literally the day that I was supposed to go on stage, I'd been practicing this song in my bedroom. And they said, look, if you do it and you do it flawlessly in rehearsal, you can, you, you will have no choice, you can do it. So I did it and nailed it. And I was like, sweet, like you, you've done yourself proud there. You've done, done all right there. And they, um, they let me do it. So I had a couple of live rehearsals and you have these in-ears in which are essentially earphones uh, that have a click track. And the click track is to keep your guitar playing in time with the backing track. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had it throughout the rehearsals. Come Saturday night with 12 million people watching, the click track didn't start, but the backing track did. So my guitar playing was out of time with the backing track. And at the end, they said, well, we warned you not to play the guitar. Um, you know, that went against oh, you. So I literally on, on stage, on TV, pulled them out my ears. And I was like, I had a click track for the rehearsals and somebody's turned it off. Um, I was like, it's no wonder I'm out of time. And again, everything went crazy online. <laughs> Everybody had something to say about it. Um, and, you know, I went backstage and, and they were like, no, it was, it, was, it was on and all this. I was like, I'm the one with the earphones in. Like, it wasn't on. Um, yeah. I threw my headphones at the sound guy. <laughs> so, I mean, even, you know, listening to you describe that, it, it feels like there's like this this thread on the way through where you want to follow what you want to do. There's something you really want to do, and it comes through, you know, changing the music style, going solo. And it kind of feels like there's people throwing logs in your pathway <laughs> as much as possible. So generally, Is that how it felt? Oh, there was, I had a lot of tears at home. Um, I was, I work incredibly hard when I want something like mm. I'm not the most I'm not the most talented singer I'm not the most talented guitar player I'm not the most talented uh, racing driver but I will outwork anyone in the room mm. and that is the one thing I believe and I have going for me and I will always stand by and and you love it I love it yeah and I absolutely like I you know I will immerse myself in whatever it is that I I'm trying to do and um I just felt like, I used to say to mum and dad, I felt like people were just, like you say, throwing rocks at me. I used to say th people were just kind of battering me with these, you know, setbacks. Th this one thing after the other, and I was just standing there taking it and going, right, come on, next one. Like, And that's what it felt like, but you just have to dust yourself off and get up again. And there comes times where you go, oh, 
I've had enough for a minute. <laughs> Give us a break. Um, and that was tough, you know. Um, and I think I had a lot of those during my time on The X Factor. And me not seeing my family was me dealing with that on my own and standing strong because I didn't I didn't have anyone to, to, to cuddle and cry on their shoulder if they didn't come and see me. So I had to stay strong about it. Whereas when I saw, like my, in any situation where I've ever been fragile or sad or, you know, at, at all kind of volatile, if I see like a member of my family that, you know, cares yeah. um, and they try and give me a hug, I'll break down. That, yeah. That's my moment where I'll go, yeah. oh no. That's kind of the psychological <laughs> safety, isn't it? It's, it it's is, yeah. Like I'm off duty. Mm. And you, I mean, clearly family's important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, as as you describe all the way through, there's you know you you, you talk about your family a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder then with, with with wanting to do your own thing and you know the the importance of you know having people around you that that you you trust and, and care, plus the experience and the X factor. Did did that have quite an influence on what you chose to do next and what you're choosing to do now? Yeah, my my fam my family's always been a huge thing for me, um, and you know my whole family. And with the exception of nobody, um, came at some point and watched me in the X Factor and and watched my shows and, um, there's there was a lot of times where people they they'd you know sort of try and help me when they knew I was struggling with certain things, um, and I was always I've always said that that a lot of the things that I've done, th- when I say this I don't want people to think I do things that I do, uh for any other reason than because I want to do them. But I also do a lot of what I do because I want to make the people that I love proud. Yeah. And I like people to look at what I do and go, oh, like he's really, you know, doing something cool or he's really worked hard for himself. He's really achieved something. Yeah. Um, and so X Factor was a weird one because in one sense, I'm doing something massive that, you know, 90% of people, 99.9% of people will never be able to do in their life. I performed at the O2 Arena at Wembley, you know, at the Metro Arena in Manchester, all these uh, incredible places because of it. But at the same time, it was beating me up. Um, it was it was really tough. I I actually got um, physically beaten up on the the X Factor tour by another artist that had been signed by a uh, label at the time. Um, it was in the news. Uh, I had to be careful about what I said when people asked me about it. Um, But essentially, I got brought into a room with... uh, I had two black eyes. Um, They damaged my eardrum. I couldn't close my mouth on the left side for about six months uh, because I threw a sweet at him in the dressing room. Um, And because he was signed to the label, I got taken into a room by somebody um, from the company that said... Uh, that basically said to me that if you talk about this to anybody, be it press or the public, um, then you 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 won't have a career worth following. Um, wow! So it was it was a threat. So I got I you know I was nineteen years old, away from home for the first time. Um, they sent a makeup artist to my room to cover my face up with makeup every morning before we left because there was always fans outside the hotel, so that people didn't ask questions. I mean, my face was still like a bit swollen, but. Um, but yeah, so that you know, and I carried on the tour, um, and my obviously my family heard about this, and I told them, and um, my mum stopped my dad 
coming up. <laughs> um, but my brother, my brother and my sister travelled up to Scotland because that was where we were going next, and uh, and watched there and came and saw me. Uh, we went out for dinner, but yeah, like you know, it was, it was tough. You can tell. <laughs> you can tell. But boy, you, your your ability to 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 bounce back and and follow your what you want is is huge. Yeah. To come through all that. So if you think about the the two dials, the motorsport dial and the music dial, what what's what are you doing with those dials now? based on everything that's gone before and what you want to do next? So, X Factor was uh, 10 years ago for me. Um, I Essentially, it was a full-time job from the age of 16. Mm. Um, and even before that, I, I worked professionally in, in entertainment. So from, from the age of 10, my first job was at uh, the Cliffs Pavilion in, in Southend in a pantomime. Um, so literally, I mean, that's from the age of 10 I've been working professionally in the entertainment industry um, and it's been incredible Yeah. but there are things that I want going forward in my life I'm 28 now uh, that mean that, that my current um, career situation uh, has to change slightly for me to get those things and, and achieve those things and uh, build that life that I, I see for my future um, so um, and one of those things is, is um, quite simply that my focus uh, or my, my hunger, I suppose, uh, has diminished slightly from the music and the entertainment, probably because I've done a lot of it and I feel like, like you yeah. know, that's that's that. Um, and uh, very much delved into to motorsport. I, I love it. I eat, sleep and breathe it. Um, I've been doing it four years, and you know, you, you, I did some bits in the in the talker in the yeah. in the talker uh, paddock, and um, I've created an amazing network of people, raised a, a decent amount of sponsorship, and I've just kind of thrown myself at it. Yeah. Um, again, not an industry that is without its um, hurdles, <laughs> which we can get to in a bit. Um, but so I'd, I'd, I'd say that the, the music and the, the entertainment thing is, it's still there. It's still yep. plugging away, yeah. but it's, uh, the, the dial has, has turned down somewhat and the motorsport one has, has turned up. Certainly whenever we have a conversation, you, you, you ooze your motorsport. I mean, I know the fact, you know, that you, you need to make sure you bought cabinets to put the trophies in that you have yet to win as well, <laughs> <laughs> together yeah. with the ones that you have already won. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I suppose the thing that, again i hear as we've gone through this it's about yeah but i want to do that and that's what i want to do mm -hmm. so I, that's, that's what i'm going to do and it feels to me like now is the time you you want to do the motorsport bit yes absolutely yeah absolutely i i love it it's great um again you know that i've i've found in the last uh few years that there are a lot of really difficult times um one of our mutual friends max coates once said to me he yeah. said he was like motorsport is eighty percent disappointment and twenty percent winning. I mean, if you're if you if you're lucky, twenty percent winning. Yeah, and that's so true. But the all basically it's twenty percent positive stuff, and the positive stuff, even though it's just twenty percent, so much outweighs that negative stuff. And also, I feel like with my previous career choice, I I'd learnt to 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 deal with those tough moments yeah. and you go, ah, we'll get yeah. we'll get there. You know, well, you know. We, we, we would hope that you don't end up with black eyes in the paddock. <laughs> <laughs> it's not 
happened yet. Yeah. Well, no, it came close on the track, didn't it? Uh, a couple of weeks back. Or when, yeah, yeah, I've been, yeah. Yeah, I've been knocked off a few times. Oh, yeah. um, and I did, I did for the first time ever, uh, go and have a word with the guy um, whilst my adrenaline was still up. Um, but he literally just went, he was, I, I said, did you just drive through me like a train? Were you driving this car? And he turned around and he went, yeah, we did have a coming together. I said, well, what was that? And he literally looked at me and went, I was like, what? Like, you can't just drive like that. But anyway, um, yeah, you know, it's it's a different thing uh, entirely, motorsport, but it's it's still got its uh, highs and lows. Um, okay, last question. Go on. If we could conquer time travel. Right. <laughs> let's then make that assumption so we can. You get oh. to write yourself a letter, a note, which you can leave for the younger Sam to find. What would you write to yourself in that note, knowing what you know now? Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've always been, my dad's always said as well, I'm a, I'm a man in a hurry. Like I've always wanted to do stuff and do it now and get that done. And um, and I still am guilty of it, although I know I should slow down. I still try and do everything all at once at 100 mile an hour. Um, and I think uh, life doesn't need to be that stressful. <laughs> Um, okay. I, I, there's not much, to be honest. There's not much I would change. I think that I, I, I believe that you live your life in chapters, and and this chapter, you know, up until now has been incredible. Um, you know, we've talked about them. There have been a lot of uh, difficult times, but there's also been some incredible times. Yeah. Um, that I'm so fortunate and grateful that I've experienced. So I wouldn't change a lot. Um, and I believe all of those difficult times build you into the person that that you are today. Having said that. I think it's it's probably good advice for for most people to slow down a bit, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a very fast-paced world we live in. Brilliant. Well, I can't wait to see what this chapter holds. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, thanks ever so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So this has been One Thought at a Time. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please do like and subscribe. Um, if you'd like to hear more then you can do that by browsing our back catalogue on your favourite podcast provider or on the Thinking It Better YouTube channel. If you'd like to reach out to us at the podcast here, you can do so on Instagram, on LinkedIn and TikTok, at Thinking It Better or at Ian M. Travers. And if you'd like to reach out to Sam at all today, you can find Sam on his socials too. Uh, Sam, which is? Um, at Sam Callahan, it's Sam Callahan on Instagram. Um, it's still Callahan Music underscore on um, Twitter and basically Sam Callahan on everything else. Fantastic. <laughs> if you have been, thank you for listening.